Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the topic at hand is Japanese cuisine and the growth and popularity of this centuries-old, carefully crafted taste and presentation. And here in the U.S., we've we've come to experience the ever-present Italian restaurant, uh, the ever-present Chinese restaurant, and the ever-present Mexican restaurant, uh, which have evolved in popularity in that order. But what's next? Could it be Japanese restaurants? If my guest and restaurant and the restaurant group have anything to say about this, it might well be that sushi, sashimi, tempura, and Asian fusion cuisine will be right around the corner to being the ever-present restaurant. And to talk with this about the growth in popularity, popularity of this tasty, healthy, and artful cuisine is Steve Sharples of the Take and Fumi restaurants based here in Georgia. Welcome to the Business Hour, Steve. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, Steve, let's start by describing the experience. Uh, when when visitors come to Take or Fumi, uh, and then you can probably describe the difference between the two, um, the Take and Fumi Sushi and Hibachi restaurants, uh, what, what are the experience and how are the two concepts um, similar and different? Well, Take is more of a family style a traditional Japanese restaurant. Um, you have uh, fresh sushi, hibachi, where they cook in front of you, or you can have it in the dining room without the show. We also have a full bar available. Uh, there's patio seating. There's uh, private space as well. Fumi is a little bit more of an Asian fusion concept in the fact that it has more uh, Korean, um, Thai, Chinese, uh, Indonesian influence. And the restaurant's decor is quite a bit more upscale, something that you would see in either New York or Las Vegas. Um, They both offer the freshest fish you can have. They both offer great show with the hibachi chefs. And they both offer a very nice wine list with a good craft cocktail as well. Um, Before we drill down into the food, let's talk a little bit about the design uh, and the modern interiors uh, with Japanese accents. Um, uh, How did you achieve that balance, and uh, were you personally involved in the the concept behind that design, or was it more the the food concept uh, in the restaurants? Well, the purpose of the way they did the design for both restaurants was to try to make it – more like a pagoda, Japanese style, where you have um, screens, you have walls, you have the uh, foyer that, that kind of elevates. Um, so those, when you when you look at the restaurants, you know based on the uh, perceived um, image that it is Japanese in tradition. Fumi itself has a lot more uh, modern. Um, it's the only hibachi place that I know of that actually has windows in the hibachi room where you can actually see outside. So most hibachi places when you go to them when you walk in they're very dark and almost stark in comparison to what we have. Or when you walk into Fumi and Taki it's more of a vibrant atmosphere. There's music playing. The chefs are laughing and, and getting involved with the guests. They try and find out if there's a special occasion they'll sing happy birthday. Um, if there's a uh, graduation, they'll they'll do like a dessert in front of them. There's a lot of different things that they go into the 
different aspects of the restaurant. I was personally involved in the development of the menu in terms of being asked to taste and figure out what the guest populace wanted in both areas. Um, but the design of the buildings and the design of the specific items on the menu were done by our owners. All six guys were involved. So, um, Which we'll get to in a bit um, because you have very uh, active owners who uh, take a very hands-on approach uh, to ownership um, in a very good way. And yet um, tell me a little bit about is it Take that has more of the uh, tableside grills? Uh, no, Fumi actually has, has Oh, that's what I meant. Is more. it Fumi? Yeah. yeah, Fumi has more grills than any of the other restaurants. Fumi actually has 16. There's four in the private room and 12 in the main room. Taki has, our location of Taki and Dunwoody has eight. There's two in the private room and six in the main grill. Um, most of them have about 10 grills. So they're, their focus is on the, the show. But it's also, at our sushi bar, you can sit along the rail and actually watch the guys make sushi. So you can, you know, in, no matter where you sit, uh, you get a show. The bartender making a cocktail, the sushi guy making sushi rolls or sashimi, and the, the hibachi chef cooking in front of you. Um, let's, let's turn to the food now. Um, we'll start with Japanese cuisine 101, if you will. And for listeners not familiar with Japanese cuisine, um, they might have heard of sushi or sashimi or nigiri, and they probably for sure have heard of tempura. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, what each of those is. Well, sushi, for most people, uh, they don't understand that um, sushi, the, the actual term, is, is kind of a misnomer. Um, sushi is actually the Japanese word for fish, but it, it, it has evolved into the... Uh, art of making a roll with rice, with seaweed, and whatever protein that you go. There are actually Japanese restaurants that actually do dessert sushi, where they actually do a cake roll that looks like a fish roll. But uh, sushi is, is a roll. Sashimi is just a fish, cut uh, very, very artfully, and just served on a plate with garnish. Nigiri is just the rice and fish together, no seaweed. And then tempura is actually the batter and fried part of uh, Japanese cuisine. Um, it, what makes it different than any other restaurant is the fact that the tempura batter is made with soda water, and it makes, when you fry the item, it makes it lighter and a lot less dense as far as the oil goes. So when you have tempura shrimp or you have tempura vegetables, the batter itself sits gracefully on the food, and it's easier to eat. A lot of times when you eat fried food, you have to have something accompanied in order to get rid of that fried food taste. Tempura doesn't taste that way at all. Yeah, I was wondering why um, they didn't have, even in a good southern restaurant where they had uh, standard good southern fried chicken, uh, that they wouldn't have a tempura chicken. Most places it's it's more difficult to do. You have to make um, a batch of batter every 30 or 40 minutes if you don't. It will uh, it'll fall apart when you're cooking it. So you tend to burn the food a lot more. Um, let's um, talk about the menu again uh, in the broad sense. Um, did you work with the chefs to create this regional flavor um, and uh, – 
to keep it authentic on one hand, and yet you do some fusion things, Asian fusion. So let's talk about how you crafted that menu, uh, and maybe even the difference, again, between the two manuals, Fumi and Take. Well, the, the nice part is, is our chefs and our executive chef, his name is Ken Lee, um, and David Zhang, they're the two that, that developed most of the menu. Um they both have backgrounds in Japanese food. Um, both worked for Morimoto in New York and for Uni in uh, Houston, Texas, which are the, probably the top two Japanese restaurants in America. So they had a chance to see what the best of the best do, and then they developed their own style based on what they learned with those two concepts. Um, they brought the Japanese cuisine to the Atlanta market because they figured out that over the course of time, like you said, with uh, Italian and Chinese, the Japanese market was underserved in the Atlanta area. Uh, a lot of your Asian uh, uh, neighborhoods in Atlanta like Japanese cuisine because it's lighter, it's more healthy, and it's faster than an uh, experience you'd have at other restaurants. So they they tried new things. When they first set out the menu, it was pretty simplified. There was probably five appetizers probably 10 different sushi rolls and about five different hibachi items. It's expanded now to well over 15 fresh fish, um, well over 10 uh, hot appetizers, several cold appetizers, and a lot of different Asian fusion uh, notes. Um, as uh, Atlanta's populace has changed, so too has our menu. Well, in fact, um, you know, we've got a more worldly population in Atlanta. It's becoming increasingly international. Um, but also, is the population of Japanese people growing? And uh, is that, if it is, is that because we now have direct flights to Tokyo? And would all those things have influenced um, the atmosphere uh, being ripe in Atlanta? Um more educated palates and uh, a larger Japanese population and um, the timing just being right. Is that- yeah, I would say it's a combination of all those things. Um, Atlanta is a really world city. I mean, you have consulates from uh, over 100 countries spread out all over the Atlanta area. Um, we have 12 international consulates inside of 10 minutes from us in Dunwoody. So we get a chance to see people from Russia and Nigeria and Kenya and South Korea, Japanese, um, just everywhere. And the Japanese cuisine has been identified uh, in a lot of ways by, you know, food critics and food people in the know as a very healthy, very sustainable cuisine. And as a result, it's become way more popular. Um Plus, it's innovative in the fact that you can do some really cool things with fish that you can't do with other proteins. Um, you can do some things with rice that is very artistic. New things with vegetables are very artistic. And when you combine those elements, um, it makes for a very flavorful and also very um, visual uh, food. And people really love that. Well, um, we're going to get to the, uh, the visual aspect in a second. But I know a lot of people who... Um, are strictly into Japanese food uh, and Asian food uh, in general, um, strictly because it tastes really good. And there are some others who were attracted knowing that it was very, very healthy. 
Um, but it's a cross between the two. Um, tell us a little bit more about why it's so healthy. Well, when you have a, a source of protein that, like fish or any of the, the shellfish that we use, um, it gives you the protein benefit without the without the cholesterol and without the calories. Um, plus, uh, when you combine the element of sushi rice, it gives you a filling dish that doesn't take a whole lot of food for you to fill up. Um, combine that with green tea, which is great for you, uh, or a glass of wine, which actually helps with cholesterol. Um, it's a food that anybody from three to to 103 can can consume on a regular basis and not gain a whole ton of weight by doing it. We we've come to know the Japanese as very very uh, precision designers in all aspects, um, architecture, uh, automobile design, um, but their food also reflects a certain precision. And I'm wondering, uh, when you look at the sushi and the sashimi, the hibachi, tempura, or anything um, Japanese, we've got a beautiful plating of these items. And when we come back, I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about what goes into the training of the chefs, because it's got to be a little more rigorous than uh, the average training program for chefs. We're here with Steve Sharples of Take and Fume Restaurants. We'll be back to talk about Japanese cuisine and the restaurants in general right after this break. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national... Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Before the break, uh, and by the way, welcome back to the Business Hour. Before the break... We were talking about uh, the precise nature of lots of Japanese design, including the food. Um, tell us what goes into the training, um, because your chefs have to um, cut the fish and arrange the rice and the seaweed, everything very precisely. It's got to be a little more demanding uh, when it comes to training. Tell us about this. Well, it's a lot more 
hands-on practice. Um, our guys actually start off in the back prep kitchen, learning to do vegetables and the rice first because that's the foundation for all the rest of that food. Um, learning to cut a fish from the bone to make a fillet exactly the way you're supposed to, and then taking that fillet and cutting it into the precision slices that you have to do for sushi and sashimi is an art form. It's you know it's very precise in terms of the exact measurements of the things that you do, but they literally work side by side with a master chef to be able to learn how to do it the right way. Um, they they learn how to do it the uh, for the line where when you do. Um, in front of people, you have to do it in such a way that it's not just artistic, but it actually has some flair to it. Just like with a bocce chef, learning to throw food around and make people appreciate what you do. As a sushi chef, you have to be able to do that and also make it precise. Um, so it's a lot of practice. It's like a professional golfer learning to play from a public course all the way to a PGA Tour course. It's a whole. It takes years to learn it. Most guys take five years before they can do it in public. That's an interesting analogy, um, the pro golfer. Uh, and now let's jump uh, into the food. Um, you have some really uh, great appetizers, spring rolls, the shrimp tempura, the gyoza, uh, calamari, uh, and then I definitely don't want to leave out the uh, steaky uh, the bacon steaky, right. but uh, we'll save that for the last. And tell us about some of those appetizers. Well, all of our appetizers on this list are all uh, hot apps. The spring rolls are handmade by our guys. Uh, they're made with a flour and rice flour um, wrapper. Uh, we have a vegetarian version, which is um, cabbage, onions, daikon, um, garlic, onions, and carrots. Uh, we have the uh, seafood spring roll, which actually has lobster, crawfish, and mango, which is unique. Um, the shrimp tempura, of course, is uh, uh, tempura-flaked um, shrimp that's fried and served with a special sauce made just for tempura, which has a little more salt and a little more sweetness to it. The gyoza is actually either steamed or fried. It's done as a dumpling. It's like... Um, a pot sticker in Chinese uh, cuisine, but it has a lot more garlic and a lot more ginger. As a result, it's quite a bit sweeter and it's quite a bit more savory than a pot sticker. The calamari we do is done um, with a lot more of a crunch to it than most places, and we serve a uh, a spicy um, sriracha sauce that it goes with. So it's a lot more. Uh, of an Asian-style calamari than you'd have at an Italian place. Italians normally use a very creamy-based sauce. Ours is not for that. And the last one, of course, we talked about is the uh, bacon steaky, which is our uh, our signature um, appetizer and the fact that we use sous vide pork belly. You've got seven different flavors on the plate. You've got red grapefruit, watermelon radish, which is traditional Chinese, um, you've got Thai basil, a serrano chili, house-made uh, cranberry raisins, and then a, a sake tea oil sauce over the top, and a red quinoa. Wow, it, that one sounds very much uh, like a, uh, a fusion dish. Yes, it's got uh, elements from about five different countries, but it's and it's done French style. <laughs> wow. Um, 
I'm going to have to have that the next time in, I'm in. Um, tell us about the uh, hibachi uh, items. Uh, you have vegetables, uh, chicken, salmon, shrimp, New York strip, right. uh, scallops, uh, filet mignon, uh, and lobster. Um, tell us about uh, those hibachi items. Well, our vegetables are a blend of squash, carrots, onions, mushrooms, um, and they're done on the grill. So you get a steam element and you get the sauce element. Um, those are served with every one of the dishes. Each one of the proteins is actually cut on the grill. They take the whole piece of the uh, filet, stick it on the grill, and cook it at about six to 800 degrees, and they actually cut it and serve to order. The rice is done that way, too. It's all done on the, on the tabletop. Uh, the fried rice has eggs. It has carrots, peas, onions. Um, you can add broccoli. You can add cauliflower. You can add uh, carrot to it if you want to. But all those items are done fresh in front of you. The filet is especially uh, uh, special because it's Chateaubriand cut filet mignon. That comes from the center cut of the center cut of the filet, which is uh, uh, if you go to a grocery store or a meat market to buy it, it's about $10 more expensive per pound from where that comes from. The center cut of the center cut. cut of the tenderloin. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Um, and you have a lobster um, as one of the hibachi yeah, items? cold water lobster. Yeah. We don't use spiny, but cold water lobster. Um, and it's done um, right at, you know, until it's all the way done. And then we serve it with a, a garlic butter on the side, which is delicious. Mm. Um Okay, you now you have soups and salads. Um, the that scallion, comes with it as well. Mm-hmm. Scallion and seafood, uh-huh. or seaweed rather. Uh-huh. Uh, mushroom and onion broth. Uh, and tell us about the sunomono. Yeah, sunomono is a is Japanese-style cucumber salad. And it's marinated with uh, rice wine vinegar instead of, you know, when you have a traditional cucumber salad, you usually have a creamy or a dill or something like that if it's French or German style. In Asian cuisine, it's done uh, sliced almost like a celery, and it's marinated with rice wine vinegar with a little bit of sesame. And we normally top it with either octopus, with calamari, or with uh, crab meat. And that's a great that's a great uh, summertime uh, light dish. So you, know, you can have that as an appetizer, you can have it as an entree, especially if you're trying to eat light. Have that with a glass of wine or a glass of sake or a glass of green tea, and you've got a very healthy uh, protein-based meal. Yeah, I would think so. Low, low in fat and high in protein. Right. Um, okay, for entrees, you have a crispy red snapper, uh, tempura, uh, nabiyaki, undan. Right. That's a noodle a, dish. A uh, chirasi, uh-huh. king of the sea, uh, which is lobster. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, the king of the sea is our uh, signature dish when it comes to having all the seafood that we carry. We have it's scallops, shrimp, and lobster all in one big platter. It comes with uh, white or fried rice. It comes with soup and salad as well. But it's enough food on that plate to feed two people. It's a big dish. The chirashi is a uh, salad made with a sashimi fish, and it's chef's choice. There's, there's uh, eight different fish on that plate, and served over a bed of... Uh, shaved ice so it stays cold while you're eating it. That's a big uh, key element when it comes to eating sushi and sashimi. You want it to stay cold. Uh, the crispy red snapper is actually done almondine style where it's actually tempura battered. The almonds are pressed into the fish and then it's flash fried. And it's served with a very uh, well seasoned um, 
seafood sauce over the top of the snapper, and it's served on a bed of wilted spinach. Very much a French-influenced dish. Um, the uh, nabiyaki udon is very similar to pho, but it's got bigger noodles. The noodles are very fat. They look more like uh, about ten times the size of a spaghetti noodle. Pho, pho being a very um, traditional Asian, um, um, maybe originated in Thailand? Or? Right, it's Thai, Thai and Indonesian. And, Vietnamese and, and soup, soup-like, yeah. Right, but it's got a lot of more vegetables. It's got radish in it, and it's, it's served with a tempura fried shrimp on the side and a fried egg on top as well. So you've got tons of protein. You've got tons of uh, fiber, and that's enough food to feed two people. It's huge. It's a big dish. Uh, and I suspect some of these things are also served sashimi, sushi style. Yeah. Uh, uh, rolls. You have a variety of rolls. Tell us about uh, some of your favorites. Well, we have traditional rolls that you see everywhere. We have California roll. We have Philadelphia roll. We have, you know, all the favorites. But we have some that are specific to us. We have one called a, a crazy roll, which has um, uh, fish. It has tempura flake. It has um, egg roe on top, which is done wasabi style. They actually take the eggs and marinate them in wasabi, so it makes it really, really spicy. Um, we have one called a sex on the city roll, which actually has fried scallion and uh, chervil microgreens on top, which is completely French. But the, the fish is done Asian style. So you've got all those different elements. Um, our chefs are really creative, and whenever they try something new, they will put it out there for us to taste first. And then we'll bring it to our guests, to our regulars, and they'll say, what do you think about this? And then if it sells, then it goes to the menus of all five of our restaurants, not just one. You... Um you have some interesting cocktails too. I uh, I was reading uh, the menu uh, when I was there, uh, and I didn't try any of these. I think I was uh, happy to go with uh, the Kirin and maybe an Asahi beer as well. Right. Uh, but uh, you have a cilantro Ricky, uh-huh. a Bahama Mama, right. a tiramisu martini, a key lime pie martini, a fumi colada. A samurai and a kawaii nomimono. Right. Tell us about those. cilantro riki is is a is a traditional cocktail, but it's done Asian style. We actually do lime juice um, made with a fresh squeezed lime and a muddled lime. We do fresh cilantro out of our garden, where you actually muddle that into the bottom of the glass, and it's it's like a martini, but it's served on the rocks, and it's got a real pungent, herbaceous flavor to it because of the cilantro and the lime. Um, the Bahama Mama is, is a traditional uh, Caribbean cocktail. It's made with four different rums and four different juices. And it's uh, served with dark rum on the top to make it look like a dark and stormy almost. But it's orange and pineapple juice based. Uh, the tiramisu martini tastes exactly like tiramisu. It's got elements of cream. It's got elements of Frangelico, it's got elements of coffee, and then it's served um, with a chocolate rim. So it's that's a dessert cocktail. I wouldn't recommend it with eating your sushi. It's definitely an after-dinner drink. The Key Lime Mar- uh, Pie Martini is actually a graham cracker rim, and we use Key West lime juice in that drink. It's actually hand-squeezed, so it's really delicious. 
And then the fumi colada is done with coconut sake. It's coconut sake mixed with pineapple juice. And that's a signature cocktail both at fumi and taki. We sell a ton of that. The samurai uh, is so named because it's vodka and sake mixed. So it's designed to make, you know, put hair on your chest. And then the last one, the Kauai Naminomo, is more of an Asian fusion cocktail in the fact that it has lots of different fruit flavors. You have apple schnapps, peach schnapps, rum, vodka, and uh, four fruit juices. And it's a layered cocktail, so it looks really neat on the glass. And ladies like it because it's very sweet. Wow. That's a very original combination of cocktails. Um, and I'm going to have to try them systematically the next time, the next few times I come in. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Take Fume organization. We're here with C. Sharples, who helps manage the Take and Fume restaurants. We'll be back with Steve to talk about Japanese and Asian fusion cuisine and what it takes to operate a restaurant group right after this break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we've been talking with Steve Sharples of the Take and Fume Restaurant Group. And... Uh, during the break, you were talking to me about uh, growing some of your own herbs and vegetables, uh, and what a great way to have uh, fresh supply. Um, tell 
the listeners what you were telling me um, and um, why is you don't have um, uh, as much a problem with um, insects, for example, uh, but uh, also just having a, a range of uh, herbs. Tell us a little bit. Yeah, we grow our own mints, our own Thai basil, our own oregano, our own chive, and our own bamboo leaf in the gardens, which we use in uh, our sushi and in our cocktails. Um, the essential oils from those plants, along with rosemary, um, keep mosquitoes and flies and flying insects away because they just don't like the, the smell or the the chemical combination that those plants bring. So not only can we use fresh herbs out of our garden to cook, but it also keeps pests away, which is kind of unique. And it saves us a ton of money because we don't have to source our stuff outside our four walls. We can actually grow it ourselves. No pesticides. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the Take Fumi organization. And you have locations uh, in the Kula, right. uh, Dunwoody, uh-huh. Hiram, Macon, uh, that's an interesting combination uh, uh, of locations. Uh, tell us what went into the selection of those locations and maybe even hint at uh, where we might see more. <clears throat> well, it's our organization started in Hiram. Um, one of our owners, uh, Tony Bien, lives out there. Um, they started there as a group uh, back in 2004. Um, and then uh, three years later, we opened Macon. Our other owner, Adam Lee, lives there. Um, it's right off of I-75, and it's a good... It Both those areas have been growing populous, uh, especially in the Asian community, for the last 20 years. And Atlanta's moving out that way. They're going north, they're going south, they're going east, they're going west, away from the core of the city. As a result, it's been... Our experience that when we find a location that's pretty good, we try to put it in an area where it's growing or regrowing. Um, that's what happened in Duluth with Fumi. Uh, the area around Gwinnett Place Mall had been dying for a long time, but it's a it's a community development initiative. We put that restaurant there because it's growing again. Uh, they're getting ready to do a full renovation of the mall there into an outdoor-style mall similar to Atlantic Station. When that happens, it's going to... I mean, we're doing great already. But with that initiative happening, it's going to be really, really crazy. Um, Dekula, that's a very big growth area in North Gwinnett, right off of 316. It's between um, Lawrenceville and Athens. And uh, we took advantage of a, a property out in the Kroger Plaza there. It's a very good family community. It's a little smaller of a restaurant, but it does great business. It's only open for dinner most of the time. Um, and our location in Dunwoody is right there in the Walmart Plaza, and it's surrounded by a lot of business. So the lunch business there is a lot busier than the rest of the restaurants. We um, cater to State Farm, IHG, Cox Communications, Mercedes-Benz, getting ready to open their new headquarters there. Um, we have a brand-new residence in getting ready to open. So that area is primarily a lunch business, but it still does great family business at night. So our owners were, were really smart. They did a market study, and they they used their intuition to figure out where to put our properties. Macon is an interesting uh, place. Um, what went into that decision? Well, the, the particular piece of property is right in a shopping plaza, right near a movie theater. So it it is conducive to getting a lot of um, commuter traffic. It's halfway between three separate communities. And as a result, um, it 
it got a pretty good following right off the bat. And and Hiraman and Macon both, um, their repeat business uh, percentage there is just incredible. Um, They have four and five generations of families that will come in and have dinner on Mother's Day or Father's Day or special occasions or just on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, Their servers, just like all the other locations, are asked for by name. And that's unique in the hibachi and the and uh, sushi trade in the fact that people will come just to see a specific chef or a specific bartender or a specific sushi chef because they like the way they make their food or their cocktail. <clears throat> Let's take a, n- a moment to acknowledge uh, the, the group of owners because, really, uh, you speak of them uh, very highly, and they seem to have uh, a more hands-on approach than a lot of uh, restaurant ownership uh, groups uh, Ken, Eddie, Adam, Tony, uh, Winley, Wynn. Um, tell us about uh, anyone that I left out. Right. Well, we have uh, Eddie and Ken are the primary hands-on guys at most of the locations. Um, Adam is in Macon. Tony is in uh, Hiram. Um, David is several different other restaurants, but he is uh, he's based out of Johns Creek. Uh, and then we have Zhao Te, who is the kind of CEO of the entire company, who um, is also out of Johns Creek. But they all have their own specific um, sp- speciality. Uh, Eddie is is a business and a direct operations guy. David is a design guy. Ken is the foodie. Um, Adam and Tony are both operations. Um, and... They each have their own specific um, take on what they like. Um, and what's unique is whenever I have a problem or a question, I can call them, and they will give me their, their advice, and I'll, you know, I'll incorporate whatever they tell me. But they, they learned a long time ago it's better to have several different opinions going into a business because you can't just rely on your own personal initiative when it comes to developing a new concept, you have to be able to identify your marketplace, identify who your customers are, tailor your menu and your facility accordingly, and then adapt over time. That's why they've been in business and that's why they've been so successful because they've adapted their, their product and their locations to, to the need. They, they, they seem to have, be a good brain trust and they seem to have good instincts uh, uh, as well as um, taking a logical uh, approach uh, to managing, uh, but also this Asian fusion uh, approach, which is um, kind of hand in hand with the focus on Japanese. Uh, but Asian fusion, uh, it's been growing in popularity uh, for decades. Um, and I think uh, the sky is the limit. I, I really think that they've hit upon. Um, a menu concept, uh, a, a cuisine concept um, that's going to only grow. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, why uh, those guys uh, have sort of been ahead of the curve. Um, and are, and am I right in assuming that there might be new Asian fusion uh, menu items? Yeah. Um, the thing is. You can only grow as fast as your people grow in this business. It doesn't matter what concept that you have. So you have to develop your people from the inside. 
we as a concept have decided over the course of time that as we grow the company, we're going to promote from within. Whenever we open a new restaurant, we bring the people from the other restaurants. You probably took three people from all four of the other restaurants to open Fumi. The managers were developed at other restaurants to bring into. They were members of the family before we opened the new restaurant. And then we brought people from the outside as well. But you have to grow slowly because if you try and do too fast, you lose the concept. You lose the specialty of the cuisine and the atmosphere. So they, as a, as a company, have decided that we want to grow, but we want to grow it in the right way. Every day that we're there, we always try to push the envelope and make things better. Um, we're looking at several different locations around the Atlanta area. We've talked to other uh, companies outside of the uh, Georgia market. Um, I think our goal eventually is to be a national uh, chain, but it's going to take years of development to do that. I would think the uh, Atlanta region could support uh, uh, many more uh, takes or fumes. Um, I was just talking to someone recently, and um, I don't think that um, I just happen to know that uh, the population of Metro Atlanta at about uh, 6 million people uh, is the population of New Hampshire, Vermont, uh, Rhode Island, and Maine. Uh, combined. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oftentimes uh, a restaurant group might have uh, w- one restaurant per state, but when we're talking about a population like z- 6 million people, um, I would say you could support a few more restaurants. Absolutely. And not just the same kind. We might do different concepts. There are so many different things that are available in the food marketplace. Every year, the, the food and the beverage evolves, and we as a company are going to evolve with that, um, on the Asian fusion side especially. If um, any of your, your owners are listening, um, I'm going to put my vote in for ramping up uh, the Asian fusion aspect, uh, which means um, infusing any other cuisine with Asian accents and I think uh, the sky is truly the limit. Uh, when you think about the spices that are used uh, in Asia, um, it's reminiscent uh, of, of some of the things we see in Mexican cuisine. But think about spicy Italian or spicy French or, or German. Uh, I think that um, my vote is... Uh, to keep uh, experimenting along those lines, and um, and I I think you should open up many more restaurants. Um, okay, so before uh, we're going to be taking a break in a little bit, uh, but let's lay the groundwork for a discussion about your personal management uh, philosophy, um, because you wouldn't have been brought into this group of. Mm, exacting, demanding, savvy owners uh, unless you had uh, a strong management philosophy. And I know it starts with people. Absolutely. You're only, good, you're only as good as your weakest link. It, you know, people talk about that in sports all the time, but it's definitely uh, the case in the restaurant and hospitality business. Um, most managers don't realize that your dishwasher can be a success or a failure to your business. That's the first 
person and the last person that everybody sees because they wash every dish. They put their hands on every single thing that your guest touches. So if you have a poor dishwasher, you'll have a poor business. I'm going to stop you there. Uh, We started with uh, the dishwasher uh, and the importance. But we're going to go on and talk about more about your people. We're going to take a break. We're with Steve Sharples of Take and Fume. We'll be back to talk about restaurants uh, and managing right after this break. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, That's natural really treatments will I be recommended that, uh, to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for, for snoring, sleep uh, apnea, jobs, or sinus uh, problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT well, Center is where patient care counts. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Um, I think uh, Tony Bourdain. Perhaps you are struggling uh, to cope and, with the disease uh, of addiction. And, and so if not, you probably together. know a family member you know, or friend that, that, that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal is, and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. They're doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Steve Sharples, and we've been talking about restaurants uh, in general, uh, not just the Fume and Take uh, Japanese and Asian fusion restaurants that he helps manage, but we've broadened the conversation and talk about uh, his philosophy of, of restaurant management. And we were, before the break, talking about the importance of things like dishwashing and how it's critical to an operation because it can really uh, hurt you. Uh, and and tell us some words, Steve, about uh, the emphasis on finding good people and training good people and your overall management philosophy. Well, for me, knowing what all of your people do is the key to your success. Um, my dad used to say, if you're doing their job 90% of the time, you don't need them. So you've got to be able to know just enough about their job to be dangerous. Uh, taking an order, 
making a cocktail, cooking a table, serving the food, running the food, all those things you have to know. So that way when you're managing somebody, you'll know if they're doing it right, you're doing they're doing it effectively, you know, if they're doing it efficiently, and you can coach and counsel them to make them better. But you also have to have an appreciation for just what they go through. As a manager, the biggest fall that most people have is the fact that they have no empathy for what their people go through, especially when you overschedule somebody. And, you know, everybody has their struggles outside of work. You have family, you have economic pressure, you have financial pressure, you have social pressure that you're on all the time. You've got to be able to relate to that. Now, business is business no matter what. You've still got to make things happen. But you also have to have the human appreciation for what people go through. And it has to be an equal balance. There has to be a work and and a home life balance. Now, you place an, a lot of emphasis on finding the right people, um, which a lot of businesses try to do. Um, but you also place a lot of emphasis on holding on to them. Absolutely. So tell us a, bit, a little bit if, about that. Find them and holding on to them. The cost of replacing people is enormous nowadays. Um, you can you can find people any day of the week if you're a successful business. Um, I believe those philosophies, if you're not hiring, you're not successful. Because you're always trying to upgrade your staff. You might have great people, but you might have somebody come in the door that you never expected that might be ten times better. So you bring them in and you incorporate them and you figure out, you reselect your own staff. Um, there's a book by Kenneth uh, uh, Covey and Stephen Covey and Kenneth Blanchard that talks about reselecting and deselecting people. If you are successful, you look at your people, you evaluate your people all the time, and you deselect when you have somebody that's not performing correctly. And you do it in such a way that you don't kill that person's spirit. Uh, to my way of thinking, unless somebody's stealing from you or unless somebody is doing something that causes your business to stress, you could find a way to keep that person. Um, if you're selecting your people the right way the very first time around, there should be no need for you to deselect them unless they're moving away, unless they have a family emergency, or unless they just plain don't like what they're doing. But to my way of thinking, if you take the time up front, the payoff is much larger on the back end. Now, let's turn to your background. And, you know, uh, it's kind of an interesting introduction to uh, uh, Asian food. Uh, and really, you have a background in hospitality, but you have a degree in microbiology and a father who was in the military, and you were in Germany. Then later he was in Korea when you were stateside and he came back to Huntsville, but he had to experience Korean cuisine. And so you had a taste for Korean uh, cuisine and all of that. Those must have been seeds that were planted. Absolutely. uh, Because after the degree in microbiology, you went into the hospitality industry. Yeah. Tell us about this. Um, I figured out over the course of my studies that I was a people person and a foodie. Uh, when I was in microbiology, the lab work was very good. I enjoyed it a lot, but I hated the isolation of being in a lab. And I went to my dad, and I told him, I said, um, I am great at what I'm doing, but I absolutely hate it. I think people can relate to that. But And I said, um, what should I do? And he said, well... You can change your degree. You could change your major. You can go out and find a job. 
So I started looking around, and there was a Marriott that was just getting ready to open two miles from my house at the Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville. I put in an application, and they hired me on the spot. I went to work the very next morning for $4 an hour. That was minimum wage at the time, and servers didn't make a wage. Bussing tables and washing dishes. Had to wear a peach-colored apron, a peach pair of polyester slacks, and a peach bow tie. Ooh. Which, when you're washing dishes, you can only imagine just how stained that gets. And I had one to wash and one to wear every single day. So that was interesting. But then um, I have worked in 40 states and 17 countries throughout my career. I've traveled more in the restaurant and hotel business than I ever did as a military kid, which is crazy. Uh, my dad did most of his traveling when, when I was before I was born. Which, um, by the way, for someone who wants to uh, see the world, absolutely, a big hospitality group. Yeah, there's especially in hotels. There's and restaurants too. But you know, when you're a chef, you always want to travel around because you always want experience. You got to, you know, you've got to be able to put your hands on into the depth of the different cuisines in order to understand what it is you're working with because you could take a Thai influence and put it in a German dish. You could take a French influence and put it into a Chinese dish. And that happens all the time. You um, uh, had talked to a group of uh, young people. Um, in fact, we had scheduled one uh, morning when there was a conflict because you were uh, with those uh, young people prior to the scheduled program and you ran some traffic problems. But what uh, tell us about that that presentation because there undoubtedly might have been or for sure uh, have been some young uh, chefs, uh, young restaurant people, young hospitality people. What did you tell them? They ask a lot of direct questions about what the job is like. Most people don't understand. When they walk into a restaurant, they see everything flowing smoothly. They see great food. They see great cocktails. They see people smiling and having a great time. But they don't understand the hard work that goes behind that. And I was able to relay all the difficulty that goes into that job and how many hours it takes of doing what we do every day to make that happen. Were there hours before everybody else or were there hours after everybody else trying to clean up and get ready for the very next day? Um, they don't understand that you're working in a very hot, very wet environment a lot of the time. Um, it's physically demanding. It's emotionally demanding. It's... it's um, mentally demanding in the fact that you're, you're, you're with your staff more than you are with your own family a lot of the time. Your staff becomes your family. Absolutely. And they're a part of my extended family. Uh, and I treat my people that way. That's why it's even more important that you select the right people the very first time out. Because they will determine whether or not you get to spend time at home or not. So what's your uh, advice for someone who's thinking about a career um whether they're a really young person and only thinking way into the future or a young professional um, about the hospitality industry? I think the best thing to do is get into a position or even do what's called a stodge. If you're in culinary school, you can actually go to a restaurant and work in a specific position for minimum wage for for a couple weeks just to see what it's like and experience what it's like. Um, Go in and try it because... You'll never know if you can physically and mentally take it if you do it yourself. You've got to be hands-on with what you learn. You know, uh, one of the subtexts uh, to this uh, program is, is profiling uh, individuals as well as organizations and how they got there. And in your case, I think the moral of the story is that 
if working in a laboratory, uh, staring into a microscope, is not really uh, your cup of tea, don't stop searching for um, what it is that might be a passion because you seem to be a very self-actualized, uh, self-satisfied guy in your current role. Yeah. I, I've i learned over the course of my 50 years on the planet that I'm very meticulous-natured. That comes from being the son of a German schoolteacher mother and a first sergeant in the Army um, and also what I studied when I was younger. Um, but I figured out that I really love the food business, that I love people. So doing what I do now is is a passion. I love music, I love food, and I love people. So why would you not want to be in the industry that I'm in? Hey, uh, by the way, you did, we had a conversation off the air about uh, music, and uh, really, you could have been a professional musician. Mm -hmm. I chose not to because um, I wanted to start a family with my wife, and I didn't want to be on the road all the time, but (laughs) as it turns out in the industry, I have been on the road quite a bit, but I've been in Atlanta for 11 years now, and I love where I'm at. I love the community. Um, I love interacting with people. And as a result, you know, I've I've been afforded the opportunity through what I do to, to pursue my passions in everything that I do, which is great. It's all about achieving a balance. You yeah. know, you want a little more stability, right. which you could have had as a microbiologist. Right. But that was quite right. More stability than being a musician. Right. And this has been the balance that you've chosen. Right. I wasn't a roadie. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're great at it. Uh, if uh, listeners are, are uh, coming to Atlanta or in Atlanta, go to a Take Fume. Uh, ask if uh, Steve Sharples is there. Steve, thank you for taking time to be a guest on the Business Hour. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Anytime. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the Internet and radio next week. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2.
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.